Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're going to talk about love tonight, and we're going to look at chapter 13, which is known as the love chapter. And if there is ever a characteristic or a quality or a part of who God is, more misinterpreted, I don't know what it is, love is probably the most abused. Why? Because we reduce love down to something we can relate to in our humanity, Rather than recognizing it for what it is, what First John says it is, it actually says that love is God, that God is love, that love is a person, it's Christ. So, as I have said before, if the person of Jesus were standing up here, you would say he appears and it's like he is the very personification of love. I sense his love for me. And if Jesus came and embraced you, you would say, I experienced his love for me. And if Jesus inhabited you, you would say, his love is my life. That's different. And if his love is your life, then his love is actually participant with everything that you do. He becomes part of the context of your living. Now, the problem with what Christians believe about Christianity is they believe that Christianity is something you do, that Christianity has been relegated to the practice of religion, and so I'm a Christian, and I, therefore I do these things. Well, what came along with that is the requirement to do those things, and then the realization or the revelation that I can't do all of those things. That my humanity doesn't have the capacity to do all of the things that are labeled as Christian activity. In fact, I'll go you one more. Even want to. How's that? So it's very difficult. Who wants to be a Christian? It reminds me of a story that my friend Mike used to tell. He was down in the slums handing out tracts and witnessing to people, trying to lead them to the Lord. And he comes to a, a wino who was just about to crack open a bottle of wine. And he says, do you know Jesus? Would you like to know Jesus? And he said, why would I want to know him? I have enough trouble. Well, I know a lot of Christians who live that way. Why? Because they define Christianity as something they do, and the commands and, and the requirements of Christianity are ever before them, and that, that just seems impossible. What if I were to tell you that every requirement, every demand, everything that God commands of you is not only possible, but is living in you right now? You not only have the capacity to do it, the life that does it is your life. Now, why is that important? It's important because if I'm going to be a Christian, and I like the way people put that, if I'm going to be a Christian, you either are or you aren't. We don't have the confusion we have on other issues there. 
You either are a human or you're not a human. You either are a Christian or you're not a Christian. If you're going to be a Christian, then you are going to be Christ's life personified. It's not about what you can discipline yourself in, what you can create for yourself. Why is that important? Because we're looking at love. Love, which is the context for everything that a Christian does. It is why Christ came. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We looked at verses 1 through 3, where Paul talks about the superiority of love, the supremacy of love. And chapter 13 was actually a little bit of a departure from what had been a rebuke from Paul, because Paul was addressing the carnality of the Corinthians. And we find chapter 13 just pressed right in the middle of this section on spiritual gifts, starting in chapter 12 and ending in chapter 14. And in chapter 12, Paul writes about the receiving of the gifts and how they are given to and through the body of Christ, which is the church. Then chapter 14, which we'll look at later, is about how those gifts should be exercised within the body. Now, because the Corinthians were carnal, that means they were fleshy. And carnality is simply this. I am a spirit with a body. That's who I am. I am a spiritual creature. I am an eternal creature. You cannot take life from me. You can take life from my body, but you cannot take life from me. And you can only do that if God allows it. So we live in a spiritual truth that we are eternal beings, that our very selves, who we are, is spiritual. Okay? Carnality is living a different way. It is the converse of that. It is believing that I am a body with a spirit. Carnality lives to the body. The body is who I am. And in carnality, all sin becomes probable and possible. In carnality, and I'm living to the body, everything is a temptation. Now, we're all wired different, so temptations are different. But the bent of the flesh, the bent of the body, is not unto the Lord. Do you know that when you were saved... Your body wasn't redeemed? Really, it wasn't. Wages of sin is what? What's going to happen to your body? It's going to die, isn't it? That's why you're going to have to get a new one. And God's already taken care of all that. You don't need to make a reservation. God is going to give you a new body. But the reality of it is that the body you're living in is fallen and its appetites, its desires, though they may be based in normal and natural things, are co-opted and corrupted by the enemy and by the world. And if you live to the body, then you will be co-opted and corrupted. You will have the capacity to be angry you will have the capacity to be bitter. You will have the capacity to be envious. You will have the capacity to be lustful. You will have the capacity to be easily injured or insulted or offended. You will have the capacity to be jealous. You will have the capacity to be judgmental. All of the things that the love chapter warns against and says are the direct antithesis of what love is, 
you have the capacity and will live in those things as a carnal Christian. Now, the cool thing about a Christian is that while he can be completely carnal, he has the choice not to be. You know, I got a car. I can choose to either walk or drive. It's nice to have a car. I choose to drive most of the time. You can tell by looking at me. But the reality of it is, I have a choice. A Christian has a choice. The enemy wants you to be confused on this issue. He wants you to believe that you are a body with a spirit, and it's up to you to sanctify that body, discipline that body, correct that body, get that body to do all the right things so that you can be a Christian. What's wrong with that? Well, let's start with, it doesn't work. How about that? Well, does it? Is anybody here concerned? Anybody, does it work for anybody here? No. It doesn't work. What God wants from us is by faith to believe what our eyes can't see, what our fingers can't touch, the truth of who we are in Christ, the new creation, so that we walk according to the Spirit rather than according to the flesh. Well, the Corinthian church were doing all the right things. They were a church. They were spiritual. And I will point out all of these things a little bit later on. But they were carnal. They were doing it all according to the flesh. And do you know that you can be religious according to the flesh? Did you know that most religion is carnal? Why? Because religion is man's approach to God. That's what religion is. And Jesus said, those who worship me will worship me in what? In spirit. That's right. Well, the Corinthians were carnal. They were using their spiritual giftedness in carnal ways. A spiritual gift in the hands of a carnal Christian is always operated in pride and selfishness. The Corinthian fellowship had the gifts. And the truth of the matter is, every Christian has gifts. Gifts of the Spirit. Just like every Christian has a personality that is given, shaped by God himself. There are differences. Each person expresses those gifts in a different way. Why? Because they're different people. You are unique. Okay? We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the gifts, but just to make the point that you can express a gift in the flesh. You don't believe me? Watch Christian television. When you see how much pride and exhibitionism is going on in the expression of spiritual gifts, it will become very apparent to you that Christian spiritual gifts can be expressed for the glorification and the enrichment, I might add, of the flesh. It's done every day. The Corinthian fellowship had the gifts, and the gifts were being exercised according to the flesh, but not in love. They were not expressing agape love. Now, agape is a word that is used to describe the love of God throughout the New Testament, and it has been defined as unconditional love, but it is more accurately described as the activity of God who is love. It's described as an activity. 
God describes himself. In the New Testament word agape was a word that they actually, they actually co-opted out of the Greek language to address how do we define the love of God. Because the other Greek words, arge, eros, phileo, all of those words express something that was a physical or a a man-centered love. But God's love was a unique kind of love and very difficult to define. So they, they co-opted this word agape and they used the word agape and actually what agape is, it's selfless activity. It is a selfless action. It is something that is done with no regard for the person who is doing it, no regard for gain or for praise or for all of those things, right? It, it's a totally different word. And that's the word we use for God's love. That's why it's called unconditional love. But it's more accurately described as the activity of God who is love. It describes self-sacrifice, selfless behavior. And until we're born again, here's the truth of it. We are incapable of agape love because we don't share his spirit. So you can go through the word of God and everywhere there's a commandment to agape or a derivative of agape, you can know that it is not commanding you to create something. This is something that comes through the power of God alone. Now, this is where we have divided it in our religious box and we have put a big liner. This is something that only God can do, right? That takes all the pressure off me. Love an enemy. Go to it, God. Right? My wife's a stinker. You got to love her, Lord. I mean, all of those things. We just kind of separated out what God does and what I can do. That is carnality, folks. That says I'm going to live in the flesh and hold to my bitterness and let the Spirit go love. It is a duality. It is hypocrisy. It is heresy at its worst. The reality of it is that when God says for me to love my wife, it says, wake up and be who you are, boy. Let the love of God come forward in you because that love is your life. Embrace her with that love. Put all of that selfishness and carnal thinking aside. Quit buying the lie. No, it's not just God. When I raise my hand, am I saying, well, that's just my fingers? Or is that just blood? Or is that just flesh? Or is that just bones? No, it is a composite being. You are in union with Christ. And when he commands you to do something, what he is saying is activate that union. Live in the truth of that union. Deny the separation that the enemy would impose upon you. Be your spiritual self. And you'll find it. you know what? It suits you. It's the way you were created. But you know, until we receive him as life, we don't have the capacity to do it. To tell a lost person to uh, agape is like to tell somebody to grow wings and fly to the moon. They just are not going to get it done. Galatians 5.22 says, 
But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes, okay, is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness. The work that his presence within accomplishes. How is it accomplished? Through him. It is his life that allows us to love selflessly because of the new creation. And the new creation is selfless. It is only when our identity is in the body that we are selfish. The gifts of the Spirit are operated through the fruit of the Spirit, principally love. The fruit of the Spirit that the child of God bears is the outworking of our union life in Christ. Now, here's what Paul shows us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The gifts of the Spirit, Christian activity, no matter how noble, how good it may be, apart from love, mean nothing. Even martyrdom means nothing apart from love. Why does God say that? Well, let's just break it down this way. What do you believe are going to happen to the works of flesh at the end of the age? What does the Bible say? The works of man, what's going to happen to it? It's going to be consumed in fire. God is not even going to regard it. What is it that God is going to regard? The work of the Spirit. The work of the life of Christ. So, love apart from agape, Christian service apart from agape, is flesh, folks. It's nothing. It's stuff that God wants to burn in the rubbish pile. The gifts of the Spirit are to be operated in love. The gifts of the Spirit cannot be exercised in truth without love. If they're exercised without love, they're used to edify the flesh. And that's what was going on in Corinth. Today we're going to look at verses 4 through 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verses 4 through 7. And this is where the Spirit of God is going to show us the very character of love. Now, I want you to understand something. The character of love is the character of Christ. So you can go into there and you can write Christ above the word love and you will have the true definition of the character of Christ. Christ, who is the life of every believer. Now let me tell you who all here has the character of Christ. Every child of God. What does that mean? That means that everything that God demands of you as a Christian, everything that he asks of you to express, to live out, to be, is who you are. You're not becoming anything. You're expanding in what you are. That's pretty relieving, isn't it? How many of you have how-to books in your library? I mean... My Christian library was full of these things. How to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How to be more loving. How to forgive. How to have peace. How to have rest. How to pray. You know what? I don't need those anymore. I discovered that that loving is something I do because loving is something that I am. I discovered that forgiveness is not about me copying an attitude, a 
are acting a certain way towards somebody. Forgiveness is literally the expression of who I am. In the same way I love, I allow the forgiveness of Christ to come forward and embrace what my humanity would reject. You know why God says you have no excuse to forgive? If you're a child of God, you know why you have no excuse to forgive? Not because you owe God because he first forgave you. That's wonderful and it makes a good hymn, but it is not good theology. The reason God called you to forgive is because he put forgiveness at the center of your being. It's who you are. You have the very character of Christ. I'm forgive because he forgave me because he gave me his life. And listen, guys, this is what I want you to see. When you read these verses and you read that and you say, yeah, that's Jesus. Yeah, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. It's you. It's you. Okay? Everything that you read there is what Christ has placed in you. I use this illustration all the time. How many of you have an iPhone? Now, some of you, I know you younger guys especially, can work that thing six ways from Sunday. But I got to tell you, that iPhone can do things I haven't thought of yet. It has the capacity to do all kinds of things. So occasionally I'm out somewhere and I'll say, you know, I want to do this and so. And then somebody said, well, what you do is you do this, you do that. You mean it can do that? Yeah, it's real easy. All you got to do is press this, set, and it's never that easy. But anyway, this is how you do it, right? I didn't know the thing had the capacity to do it. I thought I was going to have to figure something out, maybe invent something. I don't know. Listen, guys, that's the Christian life. God says, love your enemy. Well, I don't think I got the app for that. Oh, yes, you do. God says, love your wife. It says all of these things. Walk in the peace of God. It says not to worry. Have you tried that app yet? It says to forgive. All of these things are in you because Christ is your life. Christ is in you. The gifts of the Spirit mean nothing without love. They can be exercised without love, but that's just edifying the flesh. Now, let's look at verses 1 through 7 where God shows us. It says 4 through 7 in chapter 13. Here's the other thing that I will tell you, and I just went over that. That if I read these things, if I read the love chapter, believing that this is something that I have to create, I'm going to be condemned. And you know what? I used to read the love chapter that way. And you know what? The only way I could get through the love chapter was to look at it as the way God looks at me and say, isn't it wonderful that God loves me and forgives me, endures with me and does all those things? But I couldn't possibly turn that thing around and say, you know, I'm supposed to love others and endure others. And I couldn't possibly do that. That would just, that'd be overwhelming, wouldn't it? That's not the way it's intended to be read. The first thing you understand about what Paul writes is that he first tells you who you are and then he tells you what to do. You've got the iPhone. All the apps are installed. It's time to live it out. It's time to walk in the truth of it. To live in the fullness of all that he created you to be. He created you to live this life out. That's Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. In him I shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body... Do you see any duality there? The body's not his life, is it? 
I now live in the body, I live how? By what? Faith. Why? Because it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't always feel right. I don't always feel love. I don't always feel forgiveness. I live by faith. What? In, by adherence to, and reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God, who is my life, where all of those things exist, and who loved me and gave himself up for me. The life I now live in the body is a life that was created to express the character and the activity of God. And he does it and he creates agape love as the context of my life. How am I going to know him? Am I just going to know about him and live according to my flesh? Is flesh going to be my reality? Am I going to be spiritual out of my flesh? Am I going to create Christianity? Or am I going to know him according to the Spirit? Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.